Hi, welcome. This is a, a leadership collaboration series uh, with my uh, colleague uh, Nancy Halpern all the way in New York. Uh, we call it Leadership Lessons uh, from Across the Pond. And uh, Nancy and I tackle uh, key leadership challenges on a weekly basis uh, via LinkedIn Live. Uh, these could be sort of current to the context we're in and some will be sort of evergreen challenges. And we wanted to share our two very different perspectives on solving these leadership challenges. Do enjoy. Thank you. Welcome to Leadership Lessons from Across the Pond with myself, uh, Julian Roberts, and my co-host, Nancy Halpern. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you, Julian. Nice to, to see you see, again. Yeah, mm -hmm. good to see you too as well. And um, we're, I, I think today we've got a, a topic which could take us many hours um, and I think because there's a lot to talk about uh, today and so obviously the premise of of our conversations is always trying to provide um, solutions uh, from two different perspectives uh, on these uh, challenges that we, we face and um, I'd encourage anybody who's watching right now is to you know tell us where you're you're listening from uh, if you've got any comments please do share uh, and questions we will try and get to the questions although we only got 15 minutes so it's quite short and snappy but we can always follow up in the conversation so do um do and do join in that'd be really great so today we are talking women in the workplace um are they performing better than men and why are they leaving the workplace in such high numbers so nancy I, the first mm -hmm. thing i think we to think about is do we think they're performing better than men right now and and why do we think that well, before I weigh in on that, I just did want to say that <laughs> March is Women's History Month. Wow. So given that this is the first day in March or Monday in March, I think it's very appropriate. Um, and, you know, it's very hard to talk about all women in all workplaces, obviously. Uh, I think for many women, uh, on the one hand, they are well-trained by society and by expectation and practice to be superb jugglers, if not multitaskers. So in some ways, um, they might be performing better simply because they have more balls to juggle. But I think, I, I don't think that's true. I, I think, you know, many women are really struggling um, with the fact of that second shift of being stretched between home and work without even the downtime mm. of a commute. Um, with the expectations on them being very great to drop neither ball. You know, I did pull up some stats for this conversation. And since the start of the pandemic in the United States alone, 2.2 million women have left the workforce. Wow. Wow. So, you know, that alone has a huge impact. And so, you know, rather than wondering if they're performing better than men, I would like to direct the conversation and curious about your comments about what can leadership do and companies do to stop that. I mean, our vice president has declared it a national emergency, what's happening mm. to women in the workplace. So how do you think leaders and companies should be responding? Yeah, I, I think it is a challenge. And I, and I, I think there's, you know, I've, I've read sort of numerous stats as well where we're seeing an awful lot of um um, leaving, uh, whether it's to to pressures or the fact that they're sort of predominantly in sort of hospitality industries where it's predominantly sort of more women, which I guess 
a lot of the stats uh, are coming from. Um, but I, I think it's trying to put the sort of uh, there's almost the this this unconscious bias that comes in, where we deem um, if somebody has a choice between a man and a woman, certainly in a leadership context, unfortunately, I think they think the man's going to do better. Um, and so um, th that's one point in terms of challenging the unconscious bias. Um, second thing is understanding that, you know, women and men lead in very different ways. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I personally think women are leading better in a crisis right now is because they show this thing called empathy on in, in spades. Uh, they're far more empathetic in how they go about things. Uh, they're a lot more um, compassionate and more helpfulness in that context. Um, as opposed to men are a bit more ambitious and sort of assertive. Oh, oh, oh. oh. I'm, not, I, I I'm not saying more. very soon. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it, it's, it's, I think it, the, the key thing is before you get into almost a how bit is, is, is organization recognizing this and, you know, get into your data, get into understanding what is happening in your organization. Are, are, is that, is this the case? You know, it's often that we see these reports, but is it the case in your organization? Bring it to home and start to analyze it, start to understand it and start to get to a place and, okay, what is the problem? And, you know, you can talk to why people are leaving, you know, those ex interviews, you know, is there more resource and support that's needed in a context of home life as well? Is there more flexibility as well? It's thinking big, bigger. And I say impacts men as well. But I think, as you say, women are leave, uh, leaving and struggling in that context because they, they take more of a burden perhaps on in the home life as well. So I guess it's providing support for that as well. Yeah. You know, the reason I jumped in is it's not that what you say is untrue, is that what you say carries a risk. What I mean by that is women are expected to be empathetic. And so the risk in that is when you have an ambitious, driven woman who doesn't lead with empathy, she's often labeled an unattractive word because her assertion and aggressiveness makes other people uncomfortable because it yes. works against that preconceived notion of what women's strengths actually are. So I would say, you know, with a, a warning shot across the pond here, <laughs> that um, that in, a, in itself can be a bias. And one of the biases that I have found really interesting that I think is very relevant right now is this visibility bias. So if you are more visible in the workplace, um, post-pandemic, I think that part might be an issue. I myself have seen it pre-pandemic. You know, if it's the woman who's going to take the kids to the doctor or a soccer game or mm. an aging parent because she's the caretaker, or she has more flexible working hours, or she works from home one day a week, or works remotely, even, even pre-pandemic, that lack of visibility in the office created a bias of her not being all in. Um, and so I think COVID in a way has stressed this. I know there's been press about how women are performing better than men in the crisis, such as the Prime Minister of New Zealand, yeah. uh, Angela Merkel, other female leadership. But, you know, remember that we're almost having, and I don't mean two different conversations in our points of view. I mean, many, many low wage jobs are held by women, like you pointed out the hospitality industry. So they have really suffered in the number of uh, women losing their jobs. And then you have the sort of cream of the crop 
you know, the women who are ambitious and driven at the very head of their governments. Um, and they're superb problem solvers. What we don't know is, are they better politicians or is it because they're women? So on the one hand, you know, Julian's a really spongy issue because, you know, the gender uh, is obviously there, but does it then kind of dial down other things? No, and I, and I think it's it's an important to recognize. And I agree with you when a woman acts more agentic in terms of their approach, they're deemed as they're just being all bullish and hard and not very That's nice. Me. And and yeah, and, and the perception is they should all be more empathy. It doesn't when I talk about empathy and compassion, it doesn't mean you're, you know, there's no boundaries, there's no a sense of of leadership in that sense. Um it's so it's challenging all those biases, isn't it? And and it goes and it's and it's not just about leadership; it's also an expectation within the lower ranks mm. of women don't go into leadership, or women are better followers than leaders. And I think this is where the crux of this issue is: is getting into how do we change those unconscious bias across an organisation? Um, and I don't know if you've had experience of working with organisations that has helped to change that or any of your thoughts on that really because i think i think that's the big shift we need to do because that makes it a more healthy uh, approach in how you're judging and evaluating situations i have worked with organizations especially corporations that have tried to address it i think though that there hasn't been a lot of teeth in it um, meaning they may form affinity groups so women can sit around together and support each other. But I think what's really needed, is, especially now, is for companies to first address the sort of talent drain that's happening and take a look at policies and procedures that can counteract that. I mean, for example, um, ideas that were, you know, have been bandied about before, such as job sharing, or what does it look like to have policies specifically around flexibility? Mm. Um, and I would also start asking the women who are leaving. I mean, there should be great exit interview data, um, certainly at higher levels, or even of uh, women in your own organization. That I think to be proactive about this mm. um, is really an important step for organizations to first of all stop um, any potential issues when it comes to retention, mm. and then to look at what it will take to um, promote women from within. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and I think it's it's un, uh, organizations, I suppose, recognizing there is huge amounts of benefits in having a diverse workforce, not just women, but in every aspect of things, and. You know, just thinking of that, it, you know, we know that it, it improves sort of company performance. There's, there's, there's huge amounts of data out there that says if you have a, the more diverse you are, the better you perform. You've got a greater, as you said, access to a talent pool, uh, which is uh, far better for your, for your future of your business in terms of growing. Uh, you can more responsive. Uh, and generally, you you achieve better sort of governance. And I think one thing I, I've I've noticed recently and i was a little bit not in agreement initially about putting targets within organizations where they put now it appears that that could be a little bit of tokenism a bit about ticking boxes but you know what putting a target in place in an organization on a board 
creates a statement and creates something you've got to measure and therefore something has to be actioned upon it and i think that's a good place to start and then it starts to mean we've got x percent we want to get to this percent and therefore what is the roadmap what is the plan how do we go about this what are the ways we can do this uh, and also there's multiple ways of doing it but i think that's a first starting place really for organizations to really understand where they're at right now I agree with you. I think also something I would love to see, I don't know how quite you could pull it off, but you may be familiar with Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, where symphony orchestras try to address this problem in the fact that the first violin chairs and other, and the string section was predominantly male. And they were really having a problem um, making it a little bit more equitable. So what they did was they started doing blind playings where they wouldn't see the gender of the person at all. Mm. They would put them behind a screen and just listen to them playing the violin. This mm. was uh, in Europe. I think it was the Vienna or Berlin Philharmonic. Uh, maybe one of the listeners can correct me. And sure enough, whoa, the percentage of women in the violin chair shot up. So wow. wouldn't it be, I know, wouldn't it be really cool if there were a way to do that in terms of new hires? You didn't know the color of their skin. You didn't know their ethnicity. You didn't know their gender. Somehow you would just be focusing on experience and values and attributes, and you could hire that way. I mean, I don't know that it would really help address it, but I, I just keep coming back to with the growth of AI and with all the possibilities in the future of work, mm. you know, there have to be some creative ways to address what's been an intractable problem. Because think of it this way, Julian, you know, work from home went from being a necessary concession to some people to being an accepted norm like this. Yep. All that resistance vanished when you had no choice. And, and, and so since we're not going back, we are going forward, you know, how, what, can you, what can you leverage from that that would impact women, would impact you as a leader in getting the best out of your emerging female talent? Yeah, and I think there's some real lessons in that sense of, you know, behind the screen and somehow taking away the gender, age, everything. There's a whole host of stereotypes and um, unconscious bias we have. And I think that's one way of addressing it, certainly in the, in the sort of front facing. But it, it goes back to, again, trying to create a, a culture that we really want to address it as well. So it becomes part of who we are and what we're about. And I think by doing that, we then start to create those solutions and ways around it. Um, we know we could carry on talking and I know you're gonna say something, but I, I know our time is ticking away um, and we may have to do another episode uh, to sort of further uh, embellish what we're talking about here. But uh, uh, I wanna thank everybody who's, who's listening, who's, who may listen to this on a replay as well. And uh, do do tune in next week uh, for another uh, episode as we talk another uh, leadership challenge that you may have. And we'll provide some uh, perspectives on that to help you, guide you, uh, and make you, help you go forward. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everyone. You're right, Julian. We have a lot more to say. We're going to have to take it up again.